Hello everyone, welcome back. We've been out and about and we've been recording various things. Fiona, this one's called Independence Centre Stage. Great title. Tell us a bit more about it. There's a clue in that title. This is a stage performance that we're about to bring you. And it was a a live show at the Roxburgh Theatre. And it was put together by a lady called Jasmine Lindman. And we're first going to have a quick chat to Jasmine so she can tell us all about the background, how she did it. Fantastic. So Jasmine, start off, tell us what's the background? How did somebody from Melbourne end up entertaining people in Edinburgh on a a Sunday afternoon? I moved here in 2016. Uh, So I moved here, I was 24 years old, needing a dramatic life change, as many people do. Uh, I'd been here a couple of years beforehand for a trip for my friend's wedding, and I just fell in love with Scotland. Like I felt very connected and I feel like it's probably a very common feeling especially from anyone who's from a colonized country probably has a connection to you know where I guess their ancestors are from or I'm only one generation Australian anyway and Australia is made predominantly of immigrants I think when I came here I went oh is this what home's meant to feel like (laughs) so I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to get here both my grandmothers are English so I got to do an ancestry visa and I'm very very lucky to be able to kind of get here and have some really interesting insights on the uh, immigration system even as a uh, white person from the commonwealth it is hard and expensive it's also the english system as well it's not the one we would want in scotland no it's it's very (laughs) not and I think then living here for so long I've learned so much about the difference as well I mean the scottish identity but also the scottish sensibility and all those things like in the sense Mm -hmm. of how yeah, how Scotland would prefer to work with immigration rather than the Home Office. And I think from afar, people don't see that. People don't really understand. My mum will still say England or Britain sometimes. I'm like, no, Scotland, actually. It's just Scotland. That's what we're, yeah. It's interchangeable, isn't it? UK, England, Britain. It all means England, yeah. It all means England. (laughs) It all means England. But you're here, which is lovely. Yes. And you're doing a master's. What, what, tell us about that. I am, yes. So I came came here a long time ago to work in the arts and then um, I found my way after I got settled status to um, the Masters at QMU, Q- Queen Margaret University, uh, the Masters in Arts Festival and Cultural Management, oh, and, right. which is quite specific and something that has been incredible. So I'm at the end of it now. Um, the project that I did uh, that you'll see more about shortly uh, was for my Masters project. So I'm doing practice-based research, which is a lot about the act of doing and what you're learning through actually that action. So the act of putting on this event, planning this event, connecting with these artists is all part of my research. So we're all helping you as part of that master's. We're helping you with your qualifications. (laughs) Very grateful, yeah. (laughs) How do you start putting a show together like that? Because, I mean, we just turn up on the day and the stage is there, the, the events, the halls booked, there's tea and coffee. You know, there's a lot must go on before you actually stand up on the stage. Yeah, it's definitely that um, calm duck on the surface of the water and the legs kicking really hard (laughs) underneath. Um, That's definitely what it is, putting on an event. But it should look effortless, so that's definitely, I'm glad that it did, so that's mm-hmm. nice. But uh, it was a few months in the making. The idea came last year, uh, probably last October, so I kind of knew vaguely what I wanted to do, but I didn't kind of put my feelers out to any artists or venues until April, May time, so it kind of came together quite quickly. 
it helps that I have the connections because I work in the industry. Like the venue, for instance, I'd worked yeah. with that venue before, the year before, so I got a brilliant deal. And one of the um, people who works there, who was my tech for the day, was an alumni for my course. So it was also nice connections. It was a beautiful venue. I'd not been in that one before, and that's after decades of doing stuff on at the festival. Stunning. So yeah, Roxy Central. My two kind of big passions in life are arts and politics, the things that I think I've always been quite drawn to. I was very lucky that my family is quite politically aware and that's always been part of conversations it's never been something I had to kind of figure out all on my own it's been something that's been very engaged in politics even if people my family my grandmother and I have very vastly different political views but the act of voting and the act of participating has been always been really relevant and really big in our family so I think that's something that I've always been really passionate about and learning more about that so when I moved here it was something that I really focused on was the independence movement because I think from an outsider I could see why it made sense so easily why it made sense and I was like why is this even a conversation yeah. I don't I understand that but yes I think from an outsider perspective coming in going of course that's such an interesting point because we hear that from all over Europe very Scandinavian countries and that's what they're saying come on Scotland what's wrong with you we're waiting we're waiting for yeah. you and the people that we have to convince is not anybody outside it's us it's our fellow citizens Definitely. Yeah. And, I, and I can see why that's a struggle as well, because nobody likes change. Nobody likes mm. doing things probably is a big factor. Yeah, and then the arts is the other aspect of, I guess, where my passions are and what I'm good at. So like, I think I mentioned it a little bit in the event that I went to the independence convention for SNP and they were trying to get people to, you know, do door knocking or other kind of campaigns. But my skill set oh. is with people and with artists and arts management. And so I do think that it's important to also stick to your strengths and be able to use those strengths in an effective way in this kind of movement. Can I just go back to um, what we're saying about bringing, you know, the arts in and the importance of doing that. And, mm. and that's so true, isn't it? Because back in 2014, I mean, I was always going to vote yes. But the first thing I did was go and convince myself about the economics of it, which was not difficult to do. And I noticed yeah. that French TV were explaining to the French population just how strong an economic case we had and in a way that the uh, British TV didn't ever do. So that would be where I would look to first. But actually, there's a whole other side of, you know, there's figures and there's, there's economics, but then there's also, I don't know, the kind of stories that we tell each other and the music that we have. You know, we've got a, a incredibly rich music kind of thread going through you Definitely. know the Scottish kind of people and also literature you know writing poetry and to bring that in that has to be brought into the independence map game and you know I, I thought that was such a good event to put on because it do, it just helps do all that and sometimes it's just dead funny and it's Glaswegian and it's Gallus and, and other times it's a bit more kind of serious but still actually bringing that mythic side in so presumably you connect with that as well yourself Definitely. I think that the biggest, way, easiest way to make change is to bring the humanity to it. And I think also opening that conversation up. A big um, part that came out of the event for me that I really recognised was that so much political conversation has language that's inaccessible, intentionally inaccessible. Um, and art has a way of being accessible for different people and different ways and can open things up or open you up in a really different way. Um, and then you can leave a room feeling completely different than how you walked into it. Yeah. And I do think that there's a power of that, a power of story, a power of people. 
And I think that that's what's been kind of often missing in these kind of political conversations. And that's because it's not the structural way of how people design things. It's not how campaigns traditionally go. But there was still in 2014, the National Collective, and yes. they had 4,000 members and Indeed. lots of incredible work that yes. was done then as well. This is not an original idea at all. <laughs> this is not me going, hey, has anyone ever thought of this? But <laughs> I do think that it's important to, I think, remember it because the National Collective folded in 2015 and I think for me bringing all these people again together and kind of highlighting that this art was already happening like I didn't commission anyone to do the arts that I showcased all this art was already out there yeah I just brought it together the other thing that I loved about your event though was usually when we're in a room everybody's our age (laughs) the kind of people who go to political discussions and topics and panels and events it does tend to be the older ones but your event it was full of young people and the room had a different vibe because of that it had a different energy which was lovely I mean I suppose that's the beauty of you being also in that at that end of the spectrum you know you were able to connect with people that age I kind of think I'm in the middle because I think the oldest person no. we had was <laughs> I'm, I'm 31 but I think the youngest people we had there were 18 yeah. and then on the older end is like kind of 50 60 and so it's kind of nice I do feel like I may be in this interesting middle millennial kind of mm. stage that I can kind of communicate to the Gen Zs and to other people as well and kind of have that. I do feel like I'm in a nice middle zone to kind of bring that together. But I agree. I mean, again, at this SFV event I went to only a week before, it was definitely an older crowd, which I think is really interesting because so much of this is about the future. Not that it's not your future because it definitely is. But I mean, in the sense of young people being really engaged in yeah. their future. There's a sense of timing, though, I think. Um, we were having a chat with uh, Laura Pollock from The National, and she'd been chatting to a, a young voter, and they were saying, oh, yes, they, they were sure that by the time they were grandparents, Scotland would be independent. We're going, we need it now, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> by the time your kids are, and grandkids, they can be passionate about things like climate change, they can be passionate about the cost of living crisis and practical issues in front of them, equality, all those things, and yet somehow not link it to independence and to us you know looking from our perspective that's the door that opens all the other doors you know that's the only way you can do some of these things and with Westminster stamping on every bit of initiative that we um we put forward so do you get that sense as well that there's sort of a disconnect I can see that I think there's a level of big picture small picture and the issue is big picture is climate climate is the whole right like and and there's definitely a level of all these other rights which I think are just as important but I also think that it doesn't matter if you have rights if you don't have a planet to live on Um, so I do think that climate being the main thing we're concerned about is very relevant and very apparent I'm from Australia I have seen some insane climate disasters whole town was demolished in fire in 20 in 2009 with the biggest fire on record at that time which has now been broken you know as the hottest biggest fire ever yeah and now that's been broken my mm-hmm. great auntie lives in a town of lismore in northern new south wales that was had a once in a lifetime flood once in a century flood or once in a 10-year flood a week after and people had to break themselves out of their ceilings to get oh, out God. and yeah. help like it was it's a the horrors are already in this world the time is past we're not changing climate change we're figuring out how to live with it or how we cope with it and I think that of that being a huge priority of the independence movement would be a very smart thing to do I think for SMP I would make that a massive priority to really highlight because I do think that would push that 
conversation towards them because I can see that that door is the one to open before we can get to the next part. But I also see why the greens are so important yeah. and why the bigger message is so important also. Yeah. Did we not have an all under one banner march at COP26? Yeah, I, mean, I think I mean, it's did. a good time for it. It was a good yeah. time for it, but it, it still didn't feel very integrated to me. And it was a, the fabulous march that went through Glasgow and all the different, you know, all the costumes and everything. And then you had this block of indie supporters with our saltires. It would be much more powerful if they'd been integrated, woven in through the whole march, I think. Yeah. As, yeah, that's you know, true. This is this is the way we do things. For myself, I, I I've just want us to be independent for its own sake. But a very close, closely interwoven with that for me is that I think Scotland could do a lot better at pursuing um, climate change targets if we were independent. Plus, we could be out in the world having a good, a stronger effect out there, th- say through the UN and, and other and other places. I think it can't be separate. I think it's, all of these things are connected. I think when people speak about political art. It's also feminist art. It's also climate yeah. art. It's also yeah. queer art. It's also, you know, it, it's all of those things. Like, that's what political art is. It's not, in this specific thing, it's quite political and quite precise. But I also think that it is all of those things. It's humanity, yeah. isn't it? It's all the it, things that we care about and that are close to us. And yeah. What other events do you think would be great to do just to carry on with the spirit of what you've done? I don't know if you've got any yourself in the, the pipeline or if you're just going to tick the box and move on, but um, yeah. are there any other things that you can think of that we actually could could maybe start pushing or stirring, see if we can get something going? Um, I do think that like a network again would be really helpful. Like I think the, the National Collective that happened in 2014 was a marvel. I think something like that is incredible. I think that connection it had with community and with people and having conversations I think was really powerful and again having conversations rather than yelling at people for being stupid and not thinking that independence is the right choice which I totally understand too because often I'm like how could you not could you not yeah (laughs) what I don't know it's that your democracy is getting taken away what how did you what like I I definitely have a problem with pulling it back sometimes and having a, a helpful conversation rather than an accusatory conversation and I think the arts make that a lot easier. One of the best quotes that came from the day was, in art, you can ask questions, where in politics, you're made fun of for asking those questions. I haven't seen all of the footage that we got from the event, uh, Jasmine, but I have watched some of it. I just got, I was killing myself laughing, actually. Um, some of it is so funny. And it's yeah, so, sad it's girls. Funny, and it's so clever. They are hilarious, yeah. Oh, it's hilarious. Well done for bringing that together. And I, no, I, I take what you said. It's like they were all out there doing that anyway. Yeah. But you have brought them together, and that's such an, a crucial function to have someone who's got the skill and enthusiasm to 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 do that for me that's what this my master's is about as well it's about the place of an arts manager in this conversation so why my role in that conversation even though it's not my art but giving it a stage giving it a platform giving it a space giving it an audience and so that's something that an arts manager does and can do and it's like, I guess, when when they're choosing to and when or what they're choosing to use that power for good or for evil. Well, I, I just think we're really fortunate that you decided to come over to, yeah. to, the, to here to wow. do it and have ended up in Edinburgh doing that yeah. course. And obviously, it's a course that's, you know, there are other people graduating from it as well. So, yeah, it's a brilliant of, course. you know, the effect of that kind of trickles through into Scottish life. I think it's great to have somebody who's actually come from somewhere else, feels welcome, feels it can contribute, add something. It, that's what it's all about. That's yeah. what that's the kind of society we want to be. Yeah. It does have this big like, oh, you want to be here? 
great we'd love to have you and I do think that's really powerful I can't express how grateful I am to have found my home in such an incredible beautiful place with such generous I think big-hearted people so Mm. I'm very very lucky to be here Jasmine and the rest of the entourage thanks so much for putting it on letting us have the footage and talking to us Now we're about to take our seats for the theatre performance. For the benefit of podcast listeners, I'll just explain that the format is that Jasmine introduces a performer to the stage, they do a bit of performance, and then they have a discussion afterward. A couple of the performances do tackle some adult themes. There are a couple of rude words in there as well, but we have taken out all the big sweary words, so hopefully nobody will be reaching for the smelling salts. Now, on with the show. invite today uh, to the stage is Maya Ross, who's an incredible poet, self-proclaimed, outspoken, direct, and unapologetic in her delivery of uncomfortable truths regarding inequalities and injustice. Myra's poetry strikes a chord for more than independence, human rights, and a fight fighting for what's right. Welcome, Myra. New Scots, the refugees were given the vote of the to vote in the Scottish Parliament, and I was beside myself with joy because nothing says your home like you've got a say, does it? Mm. So I wrote this on the 6th of May 2021, and we gave New Scots the vote in our election. Did the day lift me your son? Did you feel your home in fear? Did the day steal you from your history? This now, you're welcome here. You're not welcomed as a beggar because we don't look down on you. You're here, your home's with us, and we love to influence too. Imagine that between us we could make our mark and say those who suffered Clayton's bring their freedoms back today. The immigration services came to Glasgow to take some Glaswegians away. Glasgow had some other ideas. And what I said about that as an adult to clearance was you cannot take our neighbours because they don't belong to you. They belong to Glasgow, as all Glaswegians do. And on the back of that, I wrote for the man who took himself out of his house and under their van to stop him taking his neighbours away. So to wheels of injustice. I only saw his image there beneath the wheels. I was awash with pride and I wonder how he feels. Will they display compassion and pretend they don't see you? Will they drag you from your duty and what harm might they do? Even just confinement, that cold that bites your back. Yet still you hold your ground and you gave no thought to that. While me and all the others were watching proud to say they tried to take his neighbours and he said no, not up to do. You stayed the wheels of justice and you did what brave folk do. You became the spoke that stopped the wheel that turned its might on you. Those poems were so beautiful, and they just I feel probably similar in the room, but just like strike certain chords, especially maybe people who were in Glasgow at the time. I was in Glasgow at the time, and seeing that happen and seeing being so proud of the Glaswegians on that street, being like, no, this is not how we do it here. And you mentioned to me that your poem, that clearly the first one you shared there was shared quite a lot, unfortunately, less crediting you at the time. Mm-hmm. But how did you feel about? your poem being circulated in that way in those kind of moments. Well, I heard your experience being shared a lot the year after, because somebody had taken a photocopy and laminated and stuck it all over the streets of Glasgow. <laughs> and somebody put that on Twitter a year later and said, here, this has been all over Glasgow, is it Irmina? And saying it to me, and I said, it is Irmina. 
And I was delighted because I thought, there's another one I'm lost with something. It's like everything that we do in Scotland, isn't it? It's like you sing a song and you tell a story. Quite often what somebody else's art does inspires me. So I'll ask you a picture up on, on the Yes Stones page on Facebook of the butterfly. There's something in my heart and knowing in my soul that this is not my destiny and that I'm as yet not whole. It's there as I push back against these walls that hold me in a raw determination that makes me try again. Try and push with all I am, leave my prison, break out, go, roar my certain eye, I can against their defiant no. There it is, the cracking, the breaking of the wall, there my golden wings for flight, a saltire on full show. Here for all the world to see from the shell I used to be, ready now to rise, to fly, a butterfly, I, free. Thank you. And then back to London at Arch, because London got a picture of a spider which hangs around your neck. It's an independent beast in his way upon the wall, and there's no need for any government, that boy can do it all. No. There's a password in there who thinks he's rebellious, saying Beastie's all apart, and he's been independent thinking right from the start. No cage is there to bind him, and there's no board bars to hold him in. He's free to be the Beastie that the Beastie's out of him. So, Wheesh is the one I promised you. There's another one that I'll share with folk later on if there's time. But, Wheesh, this is when Matty Black was giving it out for saying Pish to the Parliament. <laughs> Wait, that's, that's a bit offensive. You think, you think Pish is offensive? Did you hear about the parties? Wheesh, <laughs> the trouble is the etiquette. Watch your P's and Q's. Don't use foul language, because that will just not do. Do defraud the taxpayer, do break your own rules and defend the indefensible among the well spoken fools. Let me educate you, push does not a swear and twist your drawers, draw a push to get on your hair, challenge all the liars, the perverts, and the thieves, and challenge to the fraudsters. Pish gives peace. <laughs> we are not offended by Scotland, nor our words. We do find you a front, quite frankly absurd. <laughs> <laughs> One is more prosperous and tolerant and represents the kind of society I think most Scots would choose. And the other, the cold Scotland, is one that has suffered an environmental disaster where the structure of the Gulf Stream has become dangerously reactionary. Thanks, Jasmine. I'm going to read a little bit from Cold City. Uh, and this is one of the earlier sequences where the protagonist Susie is in the cold world, uh, which is geographically the same as the one she's used to, but she's about to find out as she's walking home that uh, it's ever so slightly different. I decide to make my way near the cloud side. River Street actually leads away from the river. Not the quickest way, but it's snow-plowed twice a day, so it's easier underfoot. And almost all of the streetlights work. I find the small paths 
through the range of clouds snow on the curbside, and steps with gingerly onto the almost black road. Now I'm exposed to the cold that comes off the river. Strange how something frozen solid can breathe out cold like this. My nose and cheeks begin to ache instantly. I stop to wrap my scarf securely over my mouth and nose. A moment's touch of ice on the bare face and then it's covered again. The smell of wool is suffocating, but I figure I can do my breathing later. Unfortunately, I can't cover my eyes, so as I lower my head and push through the cold, it's as if I were fighting against a gale, although the night is still. After a minute, my lungs are starting to hitch, so I tug the scarf slightly away from my face and drag in the air as fast as possible, hoping to heat it up by the time it reaches my mouth. I succeed partially. Then I carry on, clumping along the icy tarmac and thinking warm, grateful thoughts about the thick, gripping soles of my boots. In another few minutes, I have to do the coming up for air thing again, then I retie my scarf. All of this, of course, I do without raising my eyes. After a few minutes, a pale shape comes into my line of vision, trotting towards me, no more than ten yards away. I stop dead. It stops too and looks at me. There's no way this is a dog. The legs are too long, its eyes are pale, the shade indeterminate in the cold light, but not a dog's warm chocolate brown. I've seen wolves before, loping around their enclosure in the zoo. They were well cared for, but they still looked thin. There was raw meat on the ground, but still they circled, moving easily in a pack, eyes bright and tongues lolling. Their fur was short and sleek then. But the wolf in front of me, as shaggy as a bear, dark grey about its head and flanks, white all down its lanky legs. It's carrying something, some light-coloured fabric. It's holding a baby in its mouth. I hear myself make a whimpering noise. There is warmth spreading between my legs, and some distant part of me is wishing I'd gone for a pee before I left the uni. The baby is wrapped tightly in a blanket. The wolf has hold of it by the leg. There is nothing behind me but a mound of snow on a black wall. The wolf is still looking at me. It shakes its head just a little to get a better grip, and its jaws make a gnashing sound. There's a horrible cry, Mama! Now I hear myself scream, high-pitched and girly, not my voice at all. The wolf leaps backwards on all fours like a lamb. The baby clatters to the ground, the blanket falls across its twisted legs. The wolf turns and canters away, pausing to look back at me once before turning towards the river and disappearing through the bank of snow. I don't want to look at what's on the ground in front of me. I concentrate on getting out my mobile, fumbling to switch it on. Still no signal, but that's alright, I'll turn and run, I'll get help. Then there's another, Mama! I look at the baby. Yellow curls, rosebud smiling lips, eyes closed. Flowery frock with one sleeve torn off, so the join between the arm and shoulder is visible. I step forward, grasp the plastic arm and lift. There's an obliging mama and a click as the blue eyes roll open. Oh, thank <laughs> My voice trails off into laughter. I look up the road after the wolf. You stupid. What did you want a doll for, for God's sake? Christmas present.
and horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wanted to start with saying that I invited you here today because I think that speaking of independence and political change comes in lots of different ways. And I think in this book, it's maybe not as big as some of the stuff you really see around, but I think there's lots of incredible power um, and like see, you can't imagine a world you can't see. I think it's a really powerful use of literature um, and that kind of imagination. So thank you for that. Um, I think the first question I had was you always mentioned that, or you mentioned to me, um, you imagined the warm part of Scotland being independent and the cold, which is what this reading was from, yes. being still union. Do you think it's a re there's a reason that you didn't make that as explicit when you wrote this book? Uh, I think it was a timing, a personal timing thing. I began writing the book uh, nearly 10 years before it was actually published, as is often the case with most novels. Yeah. Uh, and at that time, uh, I was still crystallising the whole idea of independence in my mind. Uh, I was still, I still had hopes for devolution, as so many of us did back in the day, and then we got Boris Johnson, so that's <laughs> obviously. Uh, so, yes. Uh, well, but what I was trying to do is imagine uh, a better world that was becoming more tolerant, that gay marriage was becoming legalised, which, uh, which at the time I was writing this, this wasn't actually a fact. It was a good ten years before, wasn't it? It, it was, was yes, yeah. it was still a pipe dream, so yeah. thankfully that came true, so I don't have to imagine that anymore. <laughs> uh, but yes, I was imagining, deep down, I think I was imagining the, uh, the, the war world was at least seriously devolved, or at least devolved as I had hopes for at the time. Uh, but the cold world has suffered an environmental disaster, so uh, and frightened people tend to stick with the status quo, and this is what's happened. They do, yes. Unfortunately, yes, so everybody's just kind of stayed uh, within, within the union in that moment. Do you feel like you can kind of see that future more and more, that cold side of it, that kind of fear reaction, and even the environmental aspects, I guess, as well? Yes, yes, uh, where the, the cold city is just. The cold world isn't just physically cold, it's become much more reactionary uh, and religious fundamentalism is on the rise, intolerance is on the rise, the uh, age of uh, consent for gay men has been put up to 21, as, as it was many years yeah. ago now, thank God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so yes, I imagined, uh, so I think that you can see it coming, especially yeah. as, well, I don't know, Climate change actually is happening. We certainly think it is. It's yeah. yeah. so there's more scared people out there. Yeah, more A lot has changed since you wrote this book, obviously, mm -hmm. but I guess the independence movement uh, in general. Do you think if you wrote this book today, it would be different? It would be the war world would be a lot more firmly independent. Yeah. Uh, the book, as it is, begins uh, with the legalisation of gay marriage. Mm -hmm. Everyone's celebrating that. I would totally begin now with a celebration of independence in the warm world. Uh, and then the cold world would be still on with Union Jackson. Still have somebody like Boris Johnson. I uh, can't really imagine anything worse. <laughs> and yet we can see it in their eyes. Well, yes. Wolves are the least of their problems. But yes, yes, fortunately, the, 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 uh, some of the things I predicted in the war world have come true, thank goodness. Which is incredible. Yeah, yes. so I'll, I'll need to keep writing my fantasy. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. You need to see what could happen for it to happen, so I'm yeah. really grateful. And thank you so much for coming out today. Thank you so much, Kathy.
next act out of that first grant are uh, from Action Theatre Scotland. Um, they're a group of up and coming theatre makers uh, based in Glasgow that create original works that are authentically Scottish. The first of these is a play called Alba. Uh, Alba is set in 2014, where Paul and his S4 classmates battle with their first ever vote while navigating history lessons and teenage life um, in working class Glasgow. Uh, so, welcome Chris, who's going to be performing. I'm sorry, Craig. I'm sorry that you can't see past your stupidity and your selfishness. I'm sorry that you think I should just sit here and have a laugh at you, like we have done every single day for the past ten years. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm trying having a laugh, but we're not getting anywhere. So you can sit here and be upset that I don't want to be immature all the time. You do that. But I want to make something myself. The referendum was a kick up the arse I needed to see that I don't know for. I don't want to be a waste of the rest of my days. I know I gave Peter grief for being a wee tryhard, but at least he might actually make it somewhere once we're at this shite hole. Cheers, Paul. Shut <laughs> I've got something to say. I'm scared. Scared that my mom and dad are going to leave each other. Scared that we're going to run this country into the ground and never dig our way back out. Scared that I'll make the wrong choice. No matter how much I try and convince myself that it will only make a difference. Scared that I'll end up with nothing. On the door, no job. All this time wasted and nothing to show for it. I don't want to end up like that. I want to make something myself because they don't deserve to be proven right. Those self-righteous arseholes that think that they're better than everybody just because they've got a wee bit more money in the bank. And look at us. Bottom of the barrel. They look on at us with pity and shame. They don't respect us. They don't want to help us. Why do you think this school's been in a downward spiral for so long? Because nobody wants to see us do well. We should be lucky that we have teachers like Mrs. Lindale that are still trying, still fighting for what matters. Well, we do well, no? I knew he fancied her. Stop it. <laughs> Can you all see what I'm saying? I know I always take the piss all the time, but just try and take me seriously for once, all right? Whatever happens next, and years to come, it starts here. Because it's up to us. Do you know the amount of people that throw their vote away time and time again because they think it doesn't matter? Because I didn't. Nearly half the folk in Scotland don't vote. Can you imagine how different things might be if they did? But hey, maybe wouldn't they? Maybe things would just be this shite no matter who gets in. Well, if that's the case, why don't we get up half our arses and do something about it? Of course nothing's going to change about what they sit here and complain that nothing's changed. How does that solve it? This is our country. If we want things to change, we need to do it ourselves. Sitting back and hoping for the best isn't going to cut it. No anymore. Open your eyes. Can you see what I'm saying? We are the first generation and possibly the last generation to ever say at this age. So let's make it count. For if they seek. Um, and I suppose at the time, think back to the memory of 2014, 
Um, I was definitely a ball. I was the 16, right enough. I was a bit older than 16, but uh, yeah, I was definitely a ball. Yeah. Is that where it's kind of started to kind of create? Yeah, so John had like the lyrics written for the songs that are in the piece, and then approached me with it, and we sort of looked at it and thought like, the referendum was a best sort of framing device yeah. for this story and Paul's story needed to be told now just because of what everything's what going we are now. Yeah. Do you feel, um, and I haven't seen Paul play, but everyone should, um, <laughs> do you, if you want to see in that song, it has a bit more of the maybe feeling. Is that, does the play lend itself to more of an interview or is it that kind of middle? Uh, well, I'd probably say it's, it's a little bit of a for a start, but I'm, I'm, I'm more than I'm heavily on the different side. Uh, more than anything, I think, just inside. Speaking from a young person's point of view, that's why when a lot of young people are, well, maybe nowadays it's different, but at that time as well, like a lot of young people weren't really thinking about politics, especially because we had to be 18 to vote before this got brought in. Um, so, yeah, just the confusion in terms of the, the what side we're trying to get into it and not really knowing. Kind of being disconnected from the conversation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that sort of stems from Paul as a character, sort of indecisiveness rather than us, because I think we're all on the same page. Yeah, yeah. Like casting, independence, but if both of you, I guess, in that way, is it because you feel that now that you didn't feel that then? But I think it's interesting to kind of frame that from that young perspective of not being included in these conversations. Um, and even just having young artists involved, which is why I was really happy to have you involved as well, because it's nice to different demographics and obviously the future, everybody. My point on writing the, the lyrics of Alba before we actually came up with the storyline and stuff was based about our Scotch history. Um, and I kind of got inspiration from watching other musicals, but I think for myself, Alba was like, our history is, is so beautiful, right? And we, we obviously it starts, the play starts from 1286 AD, kind of thing, and that was the start of the Scottish independence. And I think just from the songs, um, that's how we kind of put it in the play from the timeline, from the start of 1286 months, the independence referendum. So, again, big thank you to Chris for and also a big thank you to Jack and John for bringing this to us today. Thanks a lot. <laughs> So our next act, um, so welcome to the Sad Girls Club, where girls are allowed to be, well, sad. <laughs> Boyfriend broke up with you, the patriarch is giving you down, rape culture being real pain, cry behind your pals garage and ruin the party again? Well, have no fear because Sad Girls Club is here. Welcome to Sad Girls Club. <laughs> Makeup streaming down my face that someone used to put into a taxi with a portion of chips, cheese, and gravy. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's not a very nice person. No, she's a total bitch. <laughs> I hate her. And she says nasty things, thinks not nice things, sad things, things that make you sad, tired. Scared. Angry. Oh, so angry. See, to be fair, she's got a lot of things to be angry about. Like work. On moving out. And making herself smaller. Not being listened to. On moving back home. And my mum. Oh, my mum. <laughs> Man-splaining. Man-spreading. Oh, was that good for me, baby? No, it was not good for 
Oh, and having to be polite like all the time. And not being noticed. And uh, unsolicited hugs. And opinions. Dick pics. Tap contacts. And rape clauses. Roe versus Wade. And Trump. And Trump. And Sunak. And Brexit. And Forrest Johnson. Oh, <laughs> Forrest Johnson. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
satire has a certain power to change the narrative. What do you think drew you to that? Uh, that is a very good question that I've not always thought about in the world. Uh, <laughs> I forgot there was a question portion to this. Um, so I think satire is like, so Sad Girls Club as general, I didn't want to hit people over the head with a feminist stick. I didn't want it to go, oh, another feminist play, like that sort of thing. And then the sort of boys club aspect to that, I was like, I can't just go and put my opinions in a script and be like, I am dictator, writer, this is my opinions. But I can lead a horse to water slightly. I can go, this is ridiculous, this is maybe 10 times what you think, but it's actually not that far away from what's actually happening. And if you're laughing at it, then you know it. Yeah. And then you go, oh, that's not maybe the best. And maybe we should do something about that. Great idea. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all laughing at a joke and we're all like, oh, this is all very real. Mm -hmm. Oh no. no, no, no. Oh, it's funny because it's true. It is funny because it's true. Um, so I think that's really interesting. I think obviously this is just a part of your play which is not, otherwise not as political the rest of the, the show. It's, it's low level political throughout all yeah. the It comes across as first world problems, it comes across as it's four girls meeting up to cry and be sad with each other because they feel they can't have that voice anywhere else and it's a safe space to do it and all that sort of stuff but then throughout that they touch on the way our society is set up and the way that men treat women and the things that we're not talking about like rape clauses and, and Roe versus Wade and all these things that you go like oh and we're joking about them but they're serious and these are the, and yes we can be cry that our boyfriend broke up with us and we're dead sad about that but also let's have a cry about those things as well. Most model crime. Yeah, because they wrecked all of the people. Yeah. Um, I think my next question is more about your personal relationship with social dependence um, and something that you spoke to me off stage. Um, I guess when you've done canvassing or the bits of pieces that you've done, mm -hmm. do you think that this work that you're doing maybe hits people at a different angle than the canvassing that you've done before previously? I think so. I think it makes it a lot more accessible to people who maybe don't feel as politically aware, don't, don't feel smart enough to talk about certain things or don't, and it's it's what Chibi the Stack and Black Black Oil did and it's all these sort of plays that would go, we're just going to present you with the facts of things and we're just going to talk about this and we're just going to, and it's a lot more accessible for people who maybe don't feel like they don't want enough to have a conversation about it. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to just hear a big round of applause for Hannah and Sadler's We're at the Harbour Arts Centre in Irvine on the, the 8th of September. We're there for like a one-off meeting. We're then going to Glasgow Comedy Festival next March at some point. Amazing. Maybe some tour dates. And then hopefully back in, in Edinburgh for some more sad girls. So if you know any sad girls, just send them to us. Yeah. And we'll fix it. That's a promise. It's a guarantee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you're coming back. Oh, you're coming back. Well, then you can be for Um, the next person I'd like to call up is Richard Crowd. So Richard um, provided these incredible photos that you would have seen when you came in. Um, so he's a photographer, an artist, and a supporter of independence, and an active campaigner since the 2014 referendum. He developed an interest in photography in 2018. He's also done a bit of painting and done a few works in local galleries, and a regular offender in creating yes stones and slates. Richard, thank you.
So everyone would have seen these uh, pictures that came in there. So I mean, I saw them today. We have seen some online, but it was really beautiful to see them all framed. And it kind of hits you in a different way, especially your use of colour. Um, I guess when you started taking them in 2018, did you feel like there was something missing in those things? Is that what you started documenting? Or why did you start documenting and sharing these rallies? I took the camera along in 2018 to the MWD and took a few photos, shared them on a photo page, and um, yeah, a lot of people seemed to like them. Got to share quite a lot. I think probably around about the same time I got into the Estone side of things as well. So, paints on the Estone, so I suppose the clear was coming out. Yeah. Uh, and just playing with it and then, yeah, just sort of playing around with those colours. They're very striking, and have you seen the, the use of blue and kind of the grey scale and then bring that blue to the forefront is, I think, really powerful and really eye catching. I guess, what do you hope those photos inspire? I suppose it's just a bit, a bit of recognition by the people that are going, yeah. going along. Okay. And there's, a lot of, there's a lot of colourful characters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I just want to try and, try and highlight some of that uh, and appreciate the effort that they're putting in. Because of Marxies and quite often walking three or four miles. Yeah. Uh, so do that. So, yeah, I think it's just a bit of, um, I think it's a bit of documenting it as well. Yeah. I agree. I mean, the recognition part of that is really interesting because I think for me, a lot of the arts that we perform, again, maybe isn't, or, or put together, maybe isn't to change minds of people. I think it is sometimes to go, you're doing great, keep up. <laughs> like, and I think that's sometimes what, what your work does. And I think it became quite more motivational for some people also during the COVID times. Yeah. And reassure. And so you still kind of feel part of it as well. So when it's an event you can go to, you've still got that and kind of see the good fight still being fought. I think it's a big power of what you do. Yeah, yeah, well that's 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 what I try to do. I think you do, I think you're more than trying this stage, Richard. Would you like I mean I'd like to see these photos in the media instead? I mean like these ones and I guess the angle that you're putting out the more of what I would call the truth, um, <laughs> <laughs> that angle um, that you're putting out, is that something that would be quite, I guess for me, would be quite refreshing to see? Is that something that you hope that some of your photos would be picked up and shared in different kind of ways? Well, I mean, that would be nice, but it's not very hard to let's be realistic. I realistic one, that was me. You've got your Facebook page, which I want to share with everybody as well, which is photos. Um, for oh, geez. I see. Well, that's <laughs> Australian there. That's on me. Um, it's written perfectly. It's just me. Um, Photies of by Rich. Uh, so check out all of them there as well, because they're so stunning. Um, um, they have a look as well. Thank you so much, Rich, for being here today.
where to start a conversation or what to what to say. It's either a it's black or it's white. It's yes or it's no. It's not. There's a maybe leaning towards yes all the time. That's what we're aiming for. We're looking for these people who are on the borderline, and you can have a nice conversation and not feel like you're in their face about it. I mean, quite often it's children that will find the stones. We purposely do that, decorate the house, and children will like find them again. What's this all about, mum or dad? And then they have to have that discussion. That conversation. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, what have you found to be the most rewarding part of being part of this organisation and sharing? It's the number of people we've met. So I had, I've been painting stones for long before Yes Stones started. I was painting saltars, leaving on people's doorsteps, and a friend said, it's a group for this now. So I joined it. It was in the first couple of hundred. We're now at over 9,500 members across the globe. And we've met people at markets. We've made new friends through it. I met Richard because Richard painted a Lego man and I said, oh, my son likes Lego. I'll post you a Lego stone. But, you know, and it's that kind of, it's like finding your tribe. Yeah. <laughs> completely and utterly different. We've been to so many different events. We've actually had them stoners conventions. Much to our shuttles and uh, sort of disgust. You can't say you're a stoner. <laughs> Do you know what it means? Oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know what it means? We're a bit older than you. <laughs> so, yeah, it's no way to truly good. It is nice. And then 2019, one member suggested, oh, Paint on slates, we could all do a letter and come up with a phrase. So we, we kind of gathered a group of people together that were interested in doing it. So there's 27 artists that contributed to the Yes Slates. There's been more since because the phrase has now changed from when people first came in because we've got slates so we can swap it around. But yeah, it, it's just great and it's something that pulls people over. They want to come and see it. It's not frightening to go and look at a piece of art. Yeah. I mean, the, the young folks earlier were saying about talking about politics and they use big words. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand them. Yeah. Yeah. This takes away they, all they, that. they use big words to try and make you not understand it. It's done it on purpose. And we know that. So yeah. we use simple words. And make it clear. And I think it's so inviting. I think you touched on that just then, that it is really inviting. And I think that's such an incredible power of art to have quite an open, I think because of artists generally need to have that kind of community and have quite an open sense to them. I think people don't create stuff if they're quite closed people. So I think that kind of comes through in everything that has been brought today. I think, yeah, brings everyone in. We, we took the slates down to Gretna. Mm -hmm. Gretna, for the first Brexit date. <laughs> 31st of January 2020, and we were told that um, the, the police had actually been out to the woman who was down there had heard that there was this gang of stoners coming down. <laughs> so there was a counter protest. The counter protest went into the little friendship garden, which was behind like a 50 foot hedge, and nobody could see them. And these people the eventually came out because all they could hear were cars tooting as they drove past. We lay them on the roadside and as cars and buses, of course, they're crossing the border, we're in the Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> and people were tooting, waving, and eventually the unionists came over and started looking at you see them going, that's really nice. <laughs> 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 it did kind of you see, you know, coming 
same well, time. Yeah, have a conversation with yeah. us. We're human beings, just like you. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly it. I mean, that's for me. It's so that's the whole crux of this whole event, guys. Is what Linda just said. But it is, is that it's becoming people again uh, and remembering that that's what this whole thing is, um, and how you can share that in so many different ways, which we've seen today as well, um, and with these slates. And for me, I find them so striking and. Already I've asked someone if I can use their design as a tattoo. Like, yes, please. Um, this is beautiful. I must have it on my body forever. Um, but I do think it has a different way of bringing people in. And it, even if it's fleeting, if you see them online, but I love the people who found them in interesting places. I'm on the Facebook group now. I'm very much all the way in. Um, and I've heard that people found them in the States and like all the other kind of places. And, I think it's really important to kind of have this conversation bigger as well because that's how I think we do get independence is having that kind of recognition externally as well. Because if everyone else goes, hey, you're a country, you're like, yes, we're a country, actually. <laughs> um, thank you to both you and Mia and for sharing with us today. Thank you so much. thing that always strikes me is just how much creativity there is in the Yes movement and I think we've seen a lovely sample of it today in, in what Jasmine's put together and wasn't it lovely to see so many young folk on the stage? Absolutely yeah you know everything she said when we talked to her earlier it's true it's like it motivates people it, it stirs up emotions and well that, I mean that's what we need to take the independence movement forward. And who says it can't be fun? And who said it can't be fun? Exactly. Oh, we have fun, don't we? We do. We really hope you've enjoyed this. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to watch the video version of this episode, you'll find it on our YouTube channel or our website, scottishindipod.scot. We'll be back next Friday with another episode. Catch you later. Bye now.